He didn't look like anybody's notion of somebody who would tear apart young girls. My name is Ted Bundy. I've never spoken to anybody about this. I am looking for an opportunity to tell the story as best I can. person of this type chooses his big for a reason. Possession, control, violence. There was something unique about Ted's brain. He talked in terms of a voice in his head, and this voice would start saying things about women. He had very blue eyes. When he really got going, his eyes went absolutely black. Murder leaving a person of this type hungry, unfulfilled, would also leave him with the obviously irrational belief that, he, that the next time he did it, he would be fulfilled. And the next time he did it, he would be fulfilled. Or the next time he did it, he would be fulfilled. Theodore Bundy has escaped, suspected of dozens of sex killings in Washington State, Idaho, Utah, and Colorado. I think things are going to work out. That's about all I can say. Bundy is acting as his own lawyer. What is unusual to see is that many of the onlookers are women. Are you a little scared when you look at him? He just doesn't look like the type to kill somebody. Serial killer Theodore Bundy has escaped once again. One of the FBI's most wanted men. He was charming, good-looking, smart. Are you sure you have the right guy? All right, welcome everybody to the Pub Time Podcast, pal. Are you fucking ready to murder somebody or what? I don't know. I'm going to need a a lot more It's Ted Bundy Day. I might need something a little stiffer than a beer, man, to get into this. Wow. It's Ted Bundy Day. Hell yes, it is. Um, What a disgusting human being. I agree. Fuck him. Granted, we got a month of disgusting Disgusting human beings. Yeah coming up and this being uh the number one seed in the faces of death death match tournament arguably probably the most uh notorious american serial killer i would say as well yeah yeah quite the fame do you think and i'm sure we'll dive more into this do you think that his fame had you think he's more famous or popular because he looks the most normal his looks i would totally agree with that he, I mean, we'll get into it, but, uh, you know, this guy was alive for 10 years after being sentenced to death, and I would imagine the amount of letters and correspondence from young women would right. have been through the roof, yeah. which I don't get at all. Yeah, considering that he... They should have an idea how that relationship ends. You'd think so. But... but this whole thing is a perfect example of the fact that there are crazy, mentally unstable people out there walking among us. Every day. All the time. T-shirt. And, and uh, this guy is just the heavyweight champion of mentally crazy, unstable people. Yeah, I don't know about heavyweight Maybe. champ, but you know, we'll he's definitely out. the number one seed. We'll find out, man. His ass doesn't come out of that alley, plain and simple. <laughs> That's going to be Not fun. in one piece, anyway. I can't wait to dig into that conversation. What? Toe to toe, gladiator match, style. The matchup between him and uh, Big, Big Ed Kemper, yeah. Big Ed. So. He's going to defile Ted. We got a lot of shit to talk about. We do. So we should dive into right it. into Theodore. Theodore in the early years. Love it. 
I had no idea that he was born under, you know, a different name. Yeah, Ted Bundy was born as Theodore Robert Cowell on November 24th, 1946. And speaking of his birth date, and the more I've done some research and stuff, for some reason in my head, I thought this was much more recent than it was. I didn't know that this was... I kind of had in my mind this was a... 80s wrapped up early 90s sort of deal not a well like like i said he spent 10 years on death row so he didn't die until almost 1990 yeah so i could be part of it maybe well i feel like and really a lot of his confessions came after he received that death sentence because his ass was just trying to lead the cops on and on he was trying to get that stay of execution which florida yeah they didn't give a fuck they paid the electric bill and yeah, you get, you get put on death row in Florida or Texas, but you're in the express lane. Which for assholes like him, he definitely, definitely deserved it. So, 100%. Um, his mother's name was Eleanor Louise Cowell. He was born at a home for unwed mothers in Vermont. Um, although his father's identity was never confirmed, there were suspicions that Bundy may have been fathered by Louise's own father, Samuel Cowell, but no material evidence ever cited. Seems appropriate. To support that. Seems appropriate. Yeah, I definitely think it, you know, would help explain some of the mental issues young Theodore was experiencing, but like I said, nothing, uh, nothing to really ever prove that. So, Well, there are countless people who overcome terrible circumstances every day oh totally agree and so don't murder people no what where's that fork in the road what what makes ted bundy a ted bundy and whoever your your person who grew up in poverty maybe no parents whatever the case may be who turns out to be successful like what's the difference well i would say this could be a big part of it uh for the beginning of his younger life uh bundy lived in philadelphia well that'll fuck anybody up his uh grandparents pretended to be his actual parents with his mother eleanor pretending to be his sister so and that's not so uncommon these days right but back then that was you know a no i mean it was unheard of almost what's right? that I for mean, your grandparents for, pretend to be your or parents your, or vice versa for your grandparents you're to, saying just to be Born out of wedlock. Well, born out of wedlock for your grandparents to act as your parents, whether right. they're pretending or not. I, I, who cares? But I, I do believe it was like not until his teens, maybe early twenties, that he out. actually found out what the story was. So, so let's keep going. Definitely, uh, definitely could put a damper on things. Uh, he eventually discovered the truth. Um, he held a lifelong resentment towards his mother, never talking about his real father or, you know, basically just leaving it up to him to figure out the truth for himself. So, and again, while screwed up, not terribly uncommon for, for mom not to remember. No, well for a teenager to resent their mother over, not talking to them about their father. Right. He said, these days, that doesn't seem like it's I mean, sad, daddy, but that's Baby not, daddy didn't pay this month. 
that's not a an uncommon circumstance, unfortunately. So in 1950, Louise changed her surname from Cowell to Nelson. Is that a full Nelson? <laughs> Father Nelson, maybe. And left Philadelphia with Ted to live with uh, some cousins in Tacoma, Washington. <clears throat> uh, later on in the 50s, she ended up marrying a man by the name of John Bundy, who uh, officially adopted Ted. So Ted's born in Vermont, ends up in Philly then gets shipped out to Tacoma. Basically the recipe for a serial killer. Yeah. Being born in Vermont. <laughs> and having to live in Philadelphia. Having, yeah. So it sounds like his recollect recollections of his time in Tacoma varied yeah. as he got older. Ted said he would consume large quantities of alcohol and canvassed the community late at night in search of undraped windows where he could uh, observe women undressing or possibly whatever else could be seen. That sounds... Ted's a voyeur. That sounds more like some Philadelphia shit. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm Copious not sure how amounts much, of alcohol, peeping Tom. How much strange is running around Tacoma, Washington, but if, and if it, it was is, there, Ted knew I about mean, it. At least in my mind, the way I view the Pacific Northwest and the types of uh, individuals that live there, it's sort of your maybe hippie bunch, kind of. And so whatever Ted might be peeping on, probably unkept. <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> unkept. Uh, yeah, all natural there, son. Full fro. But maybe maybe Ted's into that little armpit hair. Yeah, a little Linda Lovelace, I'm sure. <laughs> he ain't going to turn it down. So right. during uh, during high school, Ted was arrested twice on suspicion of burglary and auto theft. The details of these incidents were expunged once he graduated high school, yeah, which is customary in Washington and other states. So, other than lying about Grandpa Daddy and things like that, nothing really crazy wild in his childhood. Yeah, at least not that's well known, right? Yeah, Grandpa was an asshole. So, I mean, there's stories of him, you know, like uh, swinging the neighbor's cat around his head. Are we talking like by the tail, yes. like shirt off, party yes, boy yes, style? Yes, yes, uh, Uncle Rico style nunchucks. All right, but uh, that's I'm not a cat guy. Whose so. grandpa hasn't done that at least <laughs> once in front of them shirtless? So, I. I hate cats, so but that doesn't he, really bother me. Ted himself, I don't believe, was ever like subjected to uh, wild abuse or, you know, I'm sure he witnessed it. So, I mean, besides having to live in Philadelphia and Tacoma, Washington. Right. So Ted's a college boy, University That's of Puget, Puget Sound. Sound. All right. And then transferred to the University of Washington. To study Chinese. Which is totally bizarre. Yeah. Um, what do you do with a, a major in Chinese? I'm going to plead the fifth, Brad. The Chinaman is not the issue. <laughs> I'm currently trying to bring in some of the Asian population <laughs> to listen to this podcast. You don't want to alienate so. anyone? Not today, son. Hey, they get that fried rice on point. That's all I care about. Um, there, There was quite the... I mean... He became r romantically involved with a classmate at UW 
who is identified as Stephanie Brooks. Identified. So, like, in the court cases, they've kind of changed her name, I think, after the fact she really didn't want to be known. Right. You know, that they were so... And this will come up, but yeah, he, he mentioned a daughter, right? Not with her, though. But, I mean... Correct. At some point. Correct. He did father a child. Mm. Same thing. I'm pretty sure she changed her. I was She now lives under an alias. I would, too. Yeah, if your dad's that kind of asshole. If you ain't living under an alias, your ass can be living underground real soon if you (laughs) are uh, the spawn of Ted Bundy. Oh, you'd think so. There'd be some family members floating around there from the victims that are ready to get their pull on any Bundy. Watch yourself, Ted. King Kong. You do that for Brian. That's right. So in uh, 1968, Bundy attended the Republican National Convention as a Rockefeller delegate. Brian will eat that one up, too. That's all that some of our listeners are going to need to know. Uh, Shortly thereafter, Brooks entered the relationship and returned to her family, frustrated by what she described as Bundy's immaturity and lack of ambition. So this becomes a huge, huge turning point. Ted. So when uh, the there's a lady named Ann Rule who turned out to be uh, she's quite the an alias. I too. think she's a novelist. No, I'm I'm pretty sure that's the name she uses. Okay, she worked with Ted. She I don't think they attended school, but she remembers talking to him, and she seems to believe this was like the huge. You know, this is where Ted started to go off the deep end. Sort of that realization that who I guess he thought he was was not good enough for someone else. Correct. And we've all fucking been there, right? We all went to high school. I'm currently there right now. (laughs) But to be in a place where you just totally shift gears and go down the path this dude went down. Uh, Ted also had a psychiatrist would later pinpoint this crisis as well. As probably probably a pivotal time in his development. And that in 1969, so right around this time, right after the Republican National Convention, uh, Bundy visited the office in Burlington, Vermont. Check out the birth records, huh? That's right. He had to confirm his true parents, which no father was listed, so. Right. Uh. 1970, Bunny re-enrolled at UW, this time as a psychology major. He became an honor student and was well-regarded by his professors. And that's one thing that I think is we're going to see throughout a lot of these, is that these people were exceptionally intelligent. Right? Mm, yeah, yeah. Like you uh, said before, I think own... in certain, certain aspects. And Bundy can read you, for sure. I mean... You, we'll see that later. That, and this is probably jumping forward, but I saw a clip. I think when he was sentenced, and the judge starts going on about how he should have served in this courtroom. Yeah, this is yeah. such a waste. You're such an intelligent young man. You would have been a great lawyer. I'd have loved for you to practice in front of me. I mean, just imagine what. Sweaty, sweaty Teddy just pulling the wool over the judge's right. eyes. So but I'm I mean, saying, can you imagine what a person with his 
I don't want to say skill set, but that goes down a bunch of different. Can you imagine rattles. a fucking judge sitting there after listening what this asshole did to these three people and that coming out of his mouth? But the reason he was able to do what he did for so long was because of how intelligent of a person he was. I mean, I'm not trying to give the guy the Nobel Prize. Right, I'm just right. saying that if he would have taken those skills, those tools, intelligent, good use. not the skills of fucking dead people, but the skills, you know, the intelligence he used to manipulate people, um, read people, like you said. Skinny guy, small frame. I see why he fought women exclusively. Eva- evade capture for however long. No offense, woman. You would think that the skills that made him successful in those things could have been used for good in so many different ways. <laughs> Funny but, note. Uh, so in 1971, Ted took a job at Seattle Suicide Hotline Crisis Center. Can you imagine that phone call? <clears throat> and that is where he worked with Ann Rule. She was a former police officer and crime writer, like I talked about. But she had talked about how many people she believed Ted had actually saved their lives. Really? Yeah. And she described him as kind and empathetic. So The ultimate con man. And she never felt uh you know, any sort of uh what am I trying to think here? How often do you hear that, though? Oh, he seemed like the She never felt normal. threatened by Ted. Like, he would even walk her to her car at nights, you know, saying, hey, you know, this town's kind of crazy, kind of this, kind of that. So I don't think Anne ever really got to see the well other side of Ted, She obviously. lived long enough to tell the story, obviously not. Touche. And then uh, during a trip that summer... Ted attended a Republican Party business. Oh, he ran into Stephanie Brooks again, right? Yeah, rekindled that romance. That's right. She marveled at the transformation that Ted had made, becoming a dedicated professional on the cusp of something significant. So he's got her bamboozled. Touche. And a few months later, he decided to break it off with her. You think that was... uh... No phone calls, no letters, no nothing. Just kind of Ted ghosted her. So that might be the sort of thing where he drug her back in so he could have the satisfaction of pulling the plug on it? Correct. And uh, I think later on he even said that he just wanted to show that he had the choice of marrying her if he wanted. Yeah. I, I would think that that's annoying. <clears throat> Goodness. I, obviously, I mean, like with most serial killers, Ted probably just wants to show that control. Right. You know? No, that's exactly what I was thinking, that the it's not uncommon for... I've got you by types, the balls yeah, kind of scenario. I could have you, you know? if I want you. Right. And that might even have something to do with the way he handled... Um, well, as we'll find out, most of his victims his, are... The friend he was walking to the car at the suicide hotline. I can't. Very similar. Maybe it was just, just that control of like I could. No, have no. You if I want you. Like I said, she said she never, you know, once felt threatened by him at all. 
But I mean, in his own mind. Oh, yeah, maybe, but I feel like, we'll find out later, he's got pretty short fuse, so I feel like if that ever crossed his mind that he wanted to put her out, he, he would have. She was too alive That's, yeah. for him. Yeah, definitely not. Sorry, this, uh, this pulse is going to be a problem. <laughs> Can we do something about that? So uh, after breaking things off with uh, Stephanie Brooks, Bunny began skipping classes at law school and by April had stopped attending entirely uh, as young women began to disappear in the Pacific Northwest. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, before we get into the killing part of it, uh, there's some people who believe he maybe started earlier than he originally confessed. So what is... There's not much... What's the confirmed though. body count? Like actually, but he was he he was only tried on three, and he post sentencing in prison he confessed 36. to thirty six, okay. and then is there a number? But out like there I said, as he, as more as he wanted that like stay of execution, his body count just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Hey, I'll tell you about some more. But by then they're like, we're done with this shit. We're putting yeah. this guy out. Ride the lightning, Theodore. And that's basically, he was just trying to prolong that as long as he could. You know, he just, Ted was scared. Yeah. He was scared. That's and crazy. he never really wanted to confess. You know, even when you listen to a lot of his interviews, there's a lot of stuff he uh, shies away from. Do you think he shies away from it out of shame? It's got to be something. I mean, he knows he did it. He's smart enough to know he, you know, did it. He was not, like, insane at the time he did most of these things. And he's pretty calculated in the beginning, you know. That towards, seems common. Towards the you. end is what. That seems common as well, that the longer things go on, the more reckless these serial killers get. Yeah, the, the I, more I would imagine they open. start to feel like Superman, you know, or. Or like, untouchable. We, we talked about last week. Almost that thing, that feeling of I want to get caught. I want to be caught. You know, I'm not going to turn myself in, but I want you to catch me. I'm trying to literally do this in front of your face and make this the easiest thing ever for you to catch me. Yeah, but after ten years of being a little bitch, we obviously figured out he didn't want to die, but he knew it was coming. You know. Yeah, and I do find it odd. I, I do believe he would have been executed way sooner without those you know he had his attorneys filing different appeals things on his stuff. behalf yeah it is also interesting how a lot of these killers do almost have a bit of embarrassment or shame uh about not you know yeah once like, they've been caught sure but at that point i mean it's just someone who is capable of doing that you think they would have the balls to tell you exactly what happened? And I, there's a few, there's a few that that live that life all the way to the end, for sure. Um, they keep up the persona, and that's just literally who they are. But it's very, it's very conflicting in a lot of weird ways when you listen to some of these guys talk and you listen to the way that they, they almost make themselves sound like victims. You know, like I right. had no choice because of this. Like I was forced to do this. You know, one. 
that comes to mind. He's a cold, cold son of a bitch, man. Albert Fish. And he didn't pull no punches. He told you exactly what he did in graphic detail. Yeah. I'm not familiar. It's like he got off on it. He wrote a letter. Like one of the last people he killed was a 10-year-old girl named Grace Bud. He wrote like a two-page letter to her parents talking about how they let him walk away with her one day. They were kind of a poor family. He would dress himself up, look presentable, and uh, he'd put ads out in the newspaper. And they replied to one of his ads about their, you know, 14, 15-year-old son working on his farm. Well, he went to their house, sat down, talked to mom and dad, took a liking to Grace and said, hey, I'm going to my niece's birthday party later. Would you mind if I took your daughter along with me? We could ride the train. I'll have her back by whatever time. And they're like, no problem. Not an issue. He rides off with her. Ends up doing horrible, horrible things to this young girl. And then fully details it in a letter that he sends back to mom and dad months later. And he had no no ties or anything to these people. They're complete strangers. They called him to but the I'm house. Saying, but beyond that, Zero. Though, there was no Zero. pre-existing relationship of any kind for he him. He put an like, ad in Craigslist yeah. in the I'll tell 1920s. You what, total tangent. I was ready to go all in on buying stock in Craigslist the other night when Facebook blacked out. I'm like, Marketplace is in the shitter. Time Craigslist for Craigslist to make a comeback. I just Listen, when you have to type your fucking number in and Letter- letters, words and- <laughs> with letters instead of numbers, with special characters Shit in between. Show. So it sounds like there's no, there's really, like you said, there's not a consensus on when Bundy started killing women. Right. In the very beginning, he, he just wouldn't come off that. Towards the end, he confessed to a lot of the later murders. But uh, So his first reported or confessed kill, I guess, would be... Uh, Karen Sparks? Yeah. Uh, he broke into her basement apartment. She was a dancer and student at the University of Washington. Uh, he bludgeoned true. Sparks senseless with a metal rod from her bed frame after that he ended up sexually assaulting her with the same rod causing extensive internal injuries she remained unconscious for 10 days but survived with permanent disability wow do you know was she was she like unconscious i mean did someone find her in her apartment did she get medical attention or she was just unconscious in her apartment for 10 days no, no, that was at the hospital. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. So this is January for the sake of timeline here. This the, is January the one 4th, thing I will say, very rarely will he attack someone in a house. They're very close. You know, he was considered, or he was called the campus killer. Most campuses, you're not living in your own house. No, you're in an apartment. Dorm. Dorm. There's someone 10 feet away from you at all times. Okay, and... Do you think that was just because of the type of women he was, he was targeting with yeah, college totally age yeah. and college age dark where, hair where looked like you? stephanie brooks yeah yeah i didn't know his, that so that's that the... kind of his mo yeah okay. that they found out later so that makes the reason why you want to get people... back at that bitch. well i'm saying that 
that even connects the dots more to that initial breakup being the turning point or the yeah what kind of trigger point. trigger for sure um for the first half of 1974 female college students at the university of washington started disappearing at the rate of about one per month which was wildly unheard of at the time one per month so 12 a year yeah i mean that's operate for three or four years that's 48 bodies i mean adds up pretty quick i guess this is uh, obviously way before the internet and everything else it's just it's almost unfathomable how someone could do this at that rate for as long as he did now we'll say undetected in the very beginning they started close on campus then he started to spread out a little bit, but yeah, well, you know the welcome. ones the ones in the beginning were pretty close to home, you know, and just like we said, they all have like a certain uh, perimeter they like to stay a comfort zone, you know. And his started right there at the University of Washington. So, so. it started in you know, the first the first confirmed January fourth of seventy four. Correct, and then. By, you know, come June 11th, University of Washington student George Ann Hawkins vanishes while walking down a brightly lit alley between her boyfriend's dorm residence and her sorority house. So, I mean, this isn't like a, you know, this is like I said, brightly lit yeah. between a dorm and a sorority house where there's tons of people. Um, he said he lured her into the car and knocked her unconscious with a crowbar. People reported seeing him and the car. And he took her to a suburb east of Seattle where he strangled her and spent the night with her body. But he talks about leaving her in those mountains. And he goes back the next day and retrieves earrings, a shoe, and there was something else laying in a parking lot just outside that alley. He rode his bicycle back. He said there's cops all over the place. And he's like, I should have been caught that day, right then, right there. But he's like, I was able to walk right into that parking lot, right where I knew those things were. I grabbed them, and I was gone. And these are things that, if found, would have directly connected him to her. And Wow. So... Taylor Mountain. What's this to say? I'm pretty sure that's where George Ann was taken, and a few of a uh, few of his other victims. So this is like his little. That's his honey hole. Okay, you know, basically like his little garden. Uh, he'd take these bodies there. He'd dress them up, put makeup on them, and return, you know, back to these victims three or four times before their bodies became too. Uh, putrid to spend the night spend the night ted's up there slinging seed on taylor mountain very unfortunate do you think that his and let's so tangent when someone passes away what's the first thing that happens they lose all control evacuate their bowels lose all control of bodily functions now do you but think do you think, do you think he's down... taking time to tidy up before he goes 
I think if you're down with laying the wood on a dead body, the last thing you're worried about is a little cleanup. Is a little clean. I would no wet naps or a body no that's needed up on Taylor. A body Mike. that's been dead for days. I yeah. can't imagine I, that. I remember he, him. He's talking about wildlife, and this is the middle of July. Mm, nope. Leave <laughs> leave a piece of chicken I don't want to walk. Leave a piece of chicken out for one day. In the middle of July. I don't want to walk past a porter potty in July. Little <laughs> Ted wants to fuck that porter potty in July. That's the bad part. So I, did, maybe, I just even saying this stuff, it just I can't. It seems like it's not my mind. It seems like it. it isn't real. It seems like it's something that this is fiction. Crack jokes about. Which sure we are, whatever, but it's insane. Yeah, we're going absolutely to insane. Just that it's that this yes this sounds happened. like fiction for that sure this is something that a human being who's a member of the same species as us um did just absolutely nuts just that complete disregard for human life or lack of respect for, and repeatedly with yeah. most of his victims i mean obviously he had a like you talked about control maybe his whole bit was well they're dead they can't tell me no they can't reject me yeah i totally agree you know he's like the puppet master <laughs> on taylor mountain god i don't uh, want to pull any of those strings they yeah. did say or he said the makeup was basically to uh kind of dress up what was left you know what i mean so could you imagine putting makeup on a body that's melting uh, morticians probably do it all the time. Yeah, but we're talking like he's a field mortician. He's out there. So listen, that hot pocket says two minutes. You know what I mean? Your hot pocket's been in there for three minutes and thirty seconds now. How you dressing that thing up? I would not even begin to know how to answer that question. <laughs> like I guess said it's unfathomable. Yes, everything that was inside is now out. <laughs> I don't... Uh, I mean, we've all had our issues there before. Use no! The, use the alcohol. No, <laughs> I have not had... I have. I can assure you, I have done some... I'm not some, saying on Taylor Mountain. No, I... Okay. I have done some really, really questionable things in my life what do you what do you think ted's <laughs> doing to get pumped up to go up on taylor mountain because i'm gonna tell you right now my stomach couldn't handle it i have three children i still hold my breath when i'm changing my daughter's diaper you know what i mean like my, my stomach couldn't do it there ain't no way not a chance if and once i've puked on myself the last thing that's coming out is any semen <laughs> so, <laughs> it'd be a wasted ride to taylor mountain and the thing is, we talked about, like, the guy, he, you take all that other, all that craziness out of the equation, he's an attractive Good looking man, dude. Yeah, you think should... attractive, charismatic man, he probably could have done whatever he wanted with whoever he wanted, yeah. and he chose to Do start the Crypt Keeper Club up on this mountain. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we're probably running this into the ground, but it's it's just. Like I said, it still blows my insane. mind. This feels like this I, is I a didn't. I mean, book. I knew he was a serial killer. I knew he was like a necrophiliac or whatever you call. It. 
I did not know that's that. That's dead body sleeper. So why is this I didn't, But I'm mind? saying I didn't know he had like a club of them up on a mountain just waiting for him to go up there. And what do you call that? Like, is that's a. I have. What do you call a gangbang with four dead chicks? <laughs> God, I wish I had something good, I but I ain't know. got it. I don't know what you call that. I ain't got it. No idea. Uh, so, continue. Man, I got a little reset. So, uh, after an unfortunate event in Aspen, Colorado, Ted was pulled over. 1977? Yep. So, it's about three years after he the last one initiated yeah, yeah. this process. And, uh, police officer pulls him over. Ted has basically what we would consider a murder kit in the missing front passenger seat of his VW bug, which the officer also thought was awkward. He had a bug. Driver's seat, no passenger seat, and no handle on the passenger side. Well... <clears throat> Obviously, they're gonna small get town. Out. Small town. He noticed Ted like driving back and forth down Main Street. It's about the second or third time he's seen the car. He just decided to pull him over and say, "You know, you know, what are you doing?" There was a you know fairly uh, popular movie at the time that was out in theaters when people used to go to movies. Ted said, "You know, I'm heading over to the such and such theater to see." this movie and the officer being on top of his shit was like you know one horse town that movie ain't playing at our theater now your shit sounds suspicious he would have had better luck being honest because nobody would have ever believed him right hey uh sir what are you doing coming down from taylor mountain uh well i was actually driving him down the road trying to find a uh, young dark-haired woman that i could murder and fuck her dead body for a week (laughs) Could you point me in their direction? Yeah. I, I, literally, but nobody would have believed that. So this officer, you know, after he searches Ted's car, he finds his murder kit. Classic murder kit. Rope. Duct tape. Ice pick. Ski mask, which the fucker never used. So I'm not sure why he had a ski mask. And Well, it's June, Ryan. <laughs> But it is Aspen. We're in so. the Rockies. We're in the Rockies. We've been Had there. two pairs of gloves like. this whole time? No pairs of gloves. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he's arrested. While waiting trial in the Pitkin County Courthouse, Ted asked to serve as his own attorney. So as he's arraigned and the beginning of the case starts, He's in court, and he asks for a timeout, and then he needs to go to the courthouse's library to research his case. Ted's gone for about a, you know, all of sixty seconds, and he jumps from the second story window of the Pitkin County Courthouse and disappears into the Aspen Wilderness, where he stays for six days. Gone, just. He must have been lonely. Breaks into a couple different, like, trapper cabins, 
you know, there was like a, one place that was a little farther up the mountain. So obviously Ted, I don't think, was like crazy outdoor guy. But he did survive in the Colorado mountains for six days. So, you know, my hat's off to him because his ass could have been eaten hey, on Taylor Mountain. Animals, I think a lot of animals are smarter than us. Why is that? I think that they can sniff out assholes a bad apple they would have definitely ate him and are you saying that's not their flavor well they're like they only eat good people well i'm saying that they they get the vibe that guy on grizzly man was a wonderful person i'm just saying they get the vibe from old tedro and they're like i don't know if i want to mess with this guy (laughs) because i know what he's gonna do to my dead body after he kills me yeah he he tastes funny he ever eat anybody Bundy? No, I no. I don't believe so. There probably wasn't much left when it got to that point. But. No, yeah. So what's this, the Glenwood Jail? Where's that? This was actually more or less like a prison escape. This was after he was arrested a second time. So they, so they found him in the Colorado wilderness. He gets arrested. Like I said, he survived for six days. Doing What did they end up picking him up for? Because uh, they were... A, what were they trying him for? What the hell was he even in court for in the first place? All right, so we'll go back. We'll go back. Right. Well, I, mean, I get the fact after, pulled over, murder kit. After George Ann and the garden in the mountains, Yeah, there's a time where he's at like a beach in Seattle. And one of his big pickup things was he'd have his arm in a sling. He'd ask uh, a young woman for help loading his yacht. You know what I mean? Because he always, he always dressed nice. We're talking this is the time of, like, free love. Ted at the time, wild Republican, works for, you know, was a Rockefeller delegate. So he's, like, anti-free no, love. bullshit. Always dressed up. He is pro-free love. <laughs> Only on Taylor Mountain. Little but... does she know he's about to load her yacht. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm but sorry. I it just... as, as smart as he is, he asks... A young woman to help load his yacht. He uses his real name, which for years and years and years he's had numerous other aliases that he, you know, would try to sell to people. And he does this in front of, you know, four hundred people, five hundred people. You know, this beach is just fucking packed this day. So later on, when the police come back and they're asking people. Have you seen this lady? Have you seen this lady? They're like, yeah. She got in a tan VW bug with some asshole named Ted two days ago. So once he was caught in Colorado, they knew he was from Washington. He's carrying the bag with all these goodies, like Felix. They call them and say, hey. So this is the first time. What do you think? It's the first time anybody kind of got wise. Right. Okay. But this is years, you know, two or three years into his operation. We we skipped. That's okay. I mean, we know Taylor Mountain. There's a lot. I mean, we we went in every detail. I mean, we covered each one of them. We'd be here forever. And I'm sorry, but I can't. No. I got to make light of it. I got to make light because it just. To it's take awful. this, to like really sit here and break this down and take it seriously, I'd be the most depressed human being on earth. Right. Uh, you just, 
is screwed up. It's not validating it or glorifying it, but like it's just one. Unfortunately, pal, it's getting ready to get worse. Oh, I'm sure. But like we talk about, like the idea of this is just you and me are having a conversation. And if you and me were having a conversation, we'd be talking about Ted fucking dead bodies. So basically, that's what we're doing. That's where we would spend most of our time. Okay. Going on. So the Glenwood jail escape. Loses 35 pounds. He waits till he's in there for a couple months. But so this he is, plans on waiting for the holidays. He's getting ready to be put on trial right. for murder. So this is a strategic weight loss. Right. Okay. Drops the 35 pounds. Wrestle on my team any day. He gets money in jail, which I never really uh, looked into, like, who's sending him money, where he's getting it from. But a little black market trade. Gets him a uh, little, uh, fi- I don't think it was a file. It was like a small saw. So like Andy Dufresne style, he cuts a one by one hole in the ceiling of his cell, drops the 35 pounds, waits for New Year's Eve Eve, most of the guards are gone, and he makes his escape, and he's gone, they can't find him, like, coming the next day just like Shawshank, Andy's gone. Tunneled through miles of shit. Now listen, I'm going to tell you where Ted made his biggest mistake. Was there a kind? He leaves was there a kind, gentle black man that met him in a wheat field in Maine? I don't believe so. Which, although I guess they met at the beach somewhere. But very you unfortunate. Yeah. Okay. So, I love me some red. Continue. Ted hops on a bus and drives to Ann Arbor, fucking Michigan. Yeah, that makes sense. To watch the Wolverines play the University of Washington. You've heard that Ann Arbor is a whore. And I've heard. Ted obviously got this news, and he says, well, I'll go check this out. Well, after that, he travels south, and he ends up in Florida. Now, this makes sense. He seems like he should be from Florida, and naturally. Un- unfortunately for Ted, his, uh, his reign of terror ends in Florida. In the beginning of that end of his reign was the Chi Omega murders. I think it's Kai Omega. Kai, sorry. Chai. It looks Kai, like Chai. When Chai. I... Obviously, Brad, I've never went to college. Obviously. You seem like the sorority type. I would join a sorority long before a fraternity, but <laughs> to be determined. Chai, like Chai tea? What? Yeah, Chai. China. So, like, he, he finds his way into Florida State University. He's an he pretends to be like a, what's it called, an undergrad? Is that when you're like 30 and just... No, that's a grad student. Grad, grad student. student. Well, grad student would be like you're there to get your master's. Okay. Which, further your which he had already had his bachelor's. Yeah, in, so he's a grad student. Then. He, he would uh, slide into different seminars and stuff. Obviously, not a enrolled student at all. Not a paying participant. He's, no, he's scouting, right? Correct. He even like got a job. At the university doing something, driving a bus or something weird. Like he was cleaning toilets. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Too smart for that. That's right. But uh, one night he broke into the Chi Omega sorority at about 2.45. He he bludgeoned Margaret Bowman with a piece of oak firewood that he found laying outside. He then 
stuff. Took a nylon stocking and turned it into a garrot. What? Okay, is so garrot. Let's talk like James Bond bad guys. You wrap something around someone's neck, piano wire maybe, whatever the case may be. You put a stick through it okay. so you can twist it, so you can get some smoke on there, a little heat. That was a, a Gacy thing. Yeah, a little bit. We'll get into that. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? I just... Uh, what are you doing telling everybody all our just asking, stuff? Man, just... He ended up uh, applying enough pressure with a nylon stocking to uh, break her neck. Okay. That just... Sounds you terrible. say okay. Okay. Like, yeah. I take, figure. Take your fucking sock off. Nope. Twist it around your neck. That's what I'm saying. This and continue twisting until it, it breaks your I neck. I have no... Point blows of my mind. I have no point of reference. This seems like make believe. I know it isn't. Hopefully, before you leave tonight, you will. <laughs> Gosh. Um. After that, he entered the room of twenty-year-old Lisa Levy and beat her unconscious, strangled her, and tore one of her nipples almost completely off. He then bit deeply into her left buttock. <laughs> oh, Sexually God. assaulted her with a can of hairspray. Oh God, pal! So is this? It like, wasn't. Listen, it wasn't door number one. On that's well, that's the you know what's bad. It's not no. Good hold on, way, no, but. hold on. This is what the bad part is. I and read that and I stopped. It's just well, silence fell over my mouth when I, in the moment when I'm reading that, sexually assaulted with a can of hairspray. My mind just automatically assumed that Motley Crew. That this was a can of hairspray shoved up someone's ass. I didn't even consider the other orifice an option. <laughs> I just, I just assumed that this was going right what, up the. What keister. kind of individual am I sitting across from? <laughs> We're talking about Ted Bundy banging dead people and shoving cans of hairspray up people's asses. What? <laughs> what do you want from me? Yeah, party at the Moon Tower. What do you want from me? Oh God! All right, so. We're going to go through these four. Just know, like, keep in the back of your mind. So this, is it like Aussie or like... This all took place in about 15 minutes. Okay, so from nylon stocking, 2.45 to 3 in the morning, broken neck, broken neck, beat nipple. the next girl unconscious and bit her ass, and that's really what ended up coming back to bite him in the ass was right. he left real evidence, you know, of his... I'll bite a little ass. <laughs> yeah, like, like groceries? <laughs> then in an adjoining bedroom, he attacked uh. Kathy Kleiner, breaking her jaw, deeply lacerating her shoulder. And uh, Karen Chandler suffered a concussion, a broken jaw, lost a few teeth, crushed and a crushed teeth. finger. They, uh, they both survived and testified against Ted. So, broken his... neck, broken neck. She died. The first two died. Yes. The first two. So out of the four at the Chi Omega sorority. So the, then the Kathy and the Karen survive. Correct. Okay. And the only sexual assaulting that happens is the hairspray. Aquanet. Yeah. Very unfortunate. Still breathing. So obviously not on Ted's radar. Who's still breathing? Well, half of them. <laughs> yeah. Not the one with the can of hairspray, oh. asshole. Well, what? So he leaves and goes down the street, maybe two blocks. Do you think he tore a nipple off before or after she was unconscious? 
if it was the way I pretend my Ted Bundy to be, it was after. Okay. But either Inquiring way, minds want to know. I'd be more worried about Dude, so many people spray. are going to shut my the... fucking nipple off right now. I don't care. There's only I a wouldn't... special, there's a small special group of people that are still We're listening. We're talking to right now, yeah. The, 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 I guarantee you there there is a large percentage of people that shut this off a yeah, long time ago. They checked out. All right, so he After leaves leaving, the sorority someone house. Someone sees him coming out of the sorority house. So they're calling the cops. Cops are coming. He's still carrying that fucking log. That's his log, taking it with him. Uh, he broke into another basement apartment eight blocks away, attacked a Florida State student, Cheryl Thomas, dislocated her shoulder as well, fractured her jaw and her skull in five places. So this is screwed up if I'm putting myself in the mind of, because it seems like early on, all of this stuff, all of these murders are sexually motivated. These ones, he and just this is this is just a brute force. He just just beating the hell out of people, killing spree. Yes, just a brutal killing spree. Do you think that it's because he knew that maybe that this was going to be the end? Like if he did something else, this was it. And no, because if he would have just stayed quiet, he probably could have continued. There's obviously no mountains in Florida him to revisit, maybe. but I mean, I feel like he. Probably could have operated longer. I mean, yeah. Like I said, he was an interstate killer, so I don't think they ever would have connected him. Well, especially to back these murders, it just wasn't as the the country was much larger than it is now. By yeah, that I mean the technology, communication, and news traveled at the how fast a newspaper could get from one place to another, or whatever. Um, so. Does right. he get caught up at, F- at FSU or no? His uh his final kill took place on February 9th, nineteen seventy eight. Twelve year old Kimberly Leach was summoned to her homeroom by a teacher to receive a forgotten purse. She never returned to class. People seen her. What they thought was arguing with her father in the parking lot of the school. And she was found seven weeks later. Her mummified remains were found at a pig farm. She appeared to have been raped. And then having her throat slit with a knife. That would be... So she is summoned summoned to her homeroom by a teacher. Like, is she at school and then... She's at school. Middle school. She's 12 years old. Right, but I'm saying so she's at school. Ted's... One of his, like, lines was... He would pretend to be a cop and he would give people lines like there was one woman he had killed he stayed at like a high school play and as people came in the parking lot same line wouldn't work move on to the next person same line hey i'm officer so and so you need to come with me we have your parents here whatever the case may be most of them said eat shit one of them said okay i'll get in the car with you and i imagine that's what he did to this sweet little girl no no jokes to be made here no not negative not not because being 12 or whatever the case may be but this is just a just awful heinous it is so on uh february 10th 1980 bundy was sentenced to uh three life sentences 
or three, not life sentences, death sentences by electrocution. Uh, at the end of the trial, he said, make sure to tell the jury they were wrong. And his third death sentence would be the one that uh, ultimately carried out, you know, so nine years later. He ultimately sentence, represented so. himself, right? Correct. And I think there's a lot to talk about, even with with the trial. Uh, the third death sentence was carried out? Like, what were the first two? The first two were the Chi Omega, but yeah. the death of uh, Kimberly Leach is the one that he was actually put to death for. Why that one as opposed? I'm, I'm not sure how that works, but they were all separate trials. That one just stuck. Maybe he was able to uh, not get the other ones acquitted, but, you know, uh, that stay of execution on the other two. So, uh, Bundy was electrocuted in the Railford electric chair at 716 Eastern on January 24th. This thing was basically like a tailgate in Gainesville, Florida. I, I mean, people that. were selling t-shirts. Yeah, they're cookouts. They're beer. They're fucking having a good time. Fry. Everybody's waiting to see this asshole get cooked. Yeah. Fry Bundy. And I think there's stuff with the trial even to talk about. I mean, he represented himself so... The survivors, like, he got to question them, right? Yeah, cross-examine. And I remember one, I'm not sure of her name, but she specifically says, you know, he's, like, trying to get her to go into details. She can tell he's getting worked up. And she just said, I wasn't giving that asshole the satisfaction of reliving what he did to me, you know, and... Ted blows up in the courtroom and judge gets in his ass. You know what I mean? Cause he's supposed to be a professional, but you could tell he was angry that she wouldn't, you know, word for word relay that back to him. Oh, good so for her. I mean, he, he's the definition, right? Of a psychopath, sociopath, oh, narcissist, whatever. Just the fact that he had, the wool pulled over so many people's eyes and even and at the end when it came trial time it's like everybody but him like knew he was full of shit like he thought it he still thought he could weasel his way out of it by sweet talking smooth talking whatever the case may be and, and uh, another you know kind of to go back on the narcissist part you brought up and being a fucking psychopath uh he was cremated and in accordance with his will, his ashes were scattered in an undisclosed location in the Cascade Mountains of Washington State. We know what he liked to do in the mountains of Taylor Ridge. So you think that he I had his ashes spread on Taylor Mountain where he had his puppet show? Very specific place. You know, and they carried out his, you know, that was his last will. Yeah, and I'm so. all about... I'm all about people having their their last will or whatever carried out, but in cases just not like assholes this, like Ted Bundy. No, they should have put that shit down a garbage disposal. Touche. Um, and you know I've watched parts of that interview there at the end, 
like the day or couple days, hours, whatever it is before he's executed, where he's basically blaming all of his crimes on a porn addiction. Oh yeah, and he's the way out. There's no way that you know, great upbringing, Christian family, all these things, perfect childhood, but just this dark place inside of him, uh, this porn addiction that he hid from everyone, and then it got to the point where just watching it and reading it wasn't enough, and all the, I mean, it's just, it's bizarre. It's a cop-out. Yeah. I mean, like I said, ultimate con man. In the end, he never wanted to come off anything. You even listen to a lot of his confessions and stuff. He just... Well, he doesn't want to talk about it. You know, he no. doesn't want to talk about anything. And then, you know, I watched and saw that he... He even... Go ahead. Get it. He even uh, called his mom twice. Yeah. To, for to say to goodbye, come back to mommy, to say goodbye, and uh, all that stuff, and just it, it, for some reason, it does. It gives me comfort knowing that he was scared to die. That makes me feel better about Big Ed yeah. now. But it makes me, it makes me feel better to know that he did what he did to those people, and then when it came down to it, he was scared to die himself, and that's, that's how it should have been. Touche, for sure. All right, pal. I yeah, we'll get more it. to this later. But yeah. when we get into the matchup a little bit, and if he moves on, I'm sure we'll talk more about. Let's move on to Big Ed. Yeah. But let's toast it up, guys. Hopefully, we only offended some of you, but. Most of you. All right, guys. Here's to those who wish us well. All the rest can go to hell. Good night, everybody. Fuck you, Ted Bundy. I deserve certainly the most extreme punishment society has, and I deserve. I think society deserves to be protected from me and from others like me. That's for sure. Each time I'd harm someone, each time I'd kill someone, there'd be an enormous amount, uh, especially at first, uh, enormous amount of, of, of horror, guilt, remorse afterwards. An eyewitness later described Bundy's last moments of life. He made eye contact. I guess it was the way he carried and acted himself. He made eye contact with people in the front row. You know, he spoke to them. He was cognizant of what was going on about him. Uh, he made reference to his loved ones and to his family when he was saying his last words. The hearse carrying Bundy moved from the prison past a group of cheering spectators who had waited for Bundy to die, and some said Bundy should have suffered more than he did.